0: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to ask that if you are able to remain standing for just a few more moments as we look at our scripture for today, it's found in Judges chapter 19. We're going to look at verse number one. Then we're going to look at Judges chapter 21, verse 25. The word of the Lord to the people of the Lord. Now in those days, Israel had no king. Judges 21, 25 says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, welcome to December, everybody. It's good to see you all and to answer Pastor Nick's question. I have not gotten my Christmas decorations up yet, so... If that is you, we are kindred spirits this morning. Well, good morning once again, whether you call New City home or whether you're joining us for the first time, I am grateful that you're here. My name is Rodney. I'm the Matthews pastor, and we've been journeying through the book of Judges over the last few months, and today is the final installment of that series. And we've titled this series, In Those Days. Special thanks to Pastor Nick for preaching such a great message to us last weekend. As always, you can catch up on any other messages that you missed online at newcity.us. Before we conclude our series this morning, let's give God this time and this space of our time together. Father in heaven, we're grateful for this space of grace. This moment is unlike any other moment we've ever experienced. Today is a day that we've never seen before and a day that we'll never see again. Help us to be the best that we can be right now. God, the only thing we can do is apologize to you for where we may have missed it, thought, word, or deed. But we're grateful that you woke us up today with a fresh breath, new grace, new mercies. We declare, Jesus, that you are the authority in this space. This is your moment. This is your time. Move up and down these aisles. Move in and out of our hearts. Do whatever it is that you are set to do, but please get the glory in this place and in these people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, the book of Judges has a double conclusion. And if you've been journeying with us from the start, you may remember that we mentioned that the book of Judges has two introductions as well. And so those verses that we read this morning Chapter 19, verse 1 is the first verse of that conclusion, and chapter 21, verse 25 is the last verse in that conclusion. Now, Samuel, who is most likely the author here, he uses repetition to make his closing point about the state of God's people when we come to the end of this Ferris wheel, this merry-go-round, if you will, this up and down that we've been talking about over the last several months. And the beginning and the ending of this conclusion say the same thing. Israel had no king. Israel had no king. Now, I want to say that that is a generous way of describing the situation in Israel, which was somewhere just before 1050 B.C. Now, that date, 1050 B.C., is an important date because that's when Israel's first king, was inaugurated. I'm talking about Saul, whose name means what was asked for. So with that, God gave the people a king just like the surrounding nations had. Now, for reference, Saul was from a town called Gibeah, and David was from a little town called Bethlehem. Now, I bring those up because those two places, those two towns play an important role in this final episode. In the book of Judges, they play an important role. Now, in Judges 19, Gibeah, the tribe of Benjamin, is the site of a horrible crime. And when I tell you it's bad, it's bad. If you haven't read it, I want to prepare you when you read it, even though you may not have any pearls on, you will clutch your pearls. You will drop your jaw, it is bad, it is bad. Gibeah essentially becomes the second Sodom, if you're familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah from the book of Genesis. And what we see is the people here beginning to spiral into a sin chaos and the victim of a crime is a woman from Bethlehem, the tribe of Judah. Now it's amazing how this story, this final story of Judges is setting up the coming monarchy and the next placeholders for the coming Jesus. Now, the reason I said in the beginning that the statement there was no king is a generous statement is because the truth is Israel had a king. They had a king, the king of kings, in fact. But the problem with the Israelites is that they rejected the king of kings again and again and again, In fact, throughout our study of the book of Judges, we've covered six major judge cycles, which all began with the people rebelling against God. So we see the people rebel against God, there's no rest because they fail to recognize their Sabbath king. I wonder how many of us will begin to get more rest the more we recognize King Jesus. But I want you to remember that Judges mirrors the creation account in Genesis chapter number one. And in that sense, Judges is the uncreation of God's good and perfect world and order. So the issue here in the book of Judges is not just that there's no king or that there is no God. Judges is the story of continual rejection of God and the impact of that rejection. Now, it's easy for us to take a certain uh, particular posture as we read the book of Judges, but the truth is, it's easy for you and I to tell a better version of our own stories too, isn't it? It's easy for us to do that. Now, with that, I want to ask you a question. Which is more dangerous? Atheism, agnosticism, or anythingism? What's worse? What's worse? Atheism says that there is no God. Agnosticism says that there is a God, but we can't really know him. And anything-ism says there is a God, and you decide who and what that is. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like how we live, doesn't it? We justify things that make us feel a certain way, that satisfy certain urges and desires that we have. And so it's easy for us to slip into this anythingism. ism but Judges 21, 25 says all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. So anything-ism is really just the more palatable way of atheism, more palatable form. And it's nothing new, right? It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis when the enemy deceived Adam and Eve by saying, you can be just like God and know what is right and what is wrong. Not sure if you're familiar with this, but Marilyn Manson was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine several years ago. Now, if you're unfamiliar, Manson is the next in line in the church of Satan, if you will. He's he's the next in line. And so he was asked about his belief in the devil, and this is what he said. He said, I don't really believe there is a real Satan. I don't believe there's an actual devil, is what he said. He said, I believe that you're a God And I'm a God, and everyone does what they want. Now, while statements like this sound crazy to some of us, when you think about it, this is the world we live in, right? And I would even add that some of us who profess Christ live this way. Had the privilege of sharing with a team on Friday, and I told them that there's a difference between what we profess our values are and what we practice as our values. There's a difference between what your lips say your values are and what your life shows that your values are. And I think if many of us, even in the body of Christ, would audit our walks with God, we would, we would find that more times than not, we probably fall into this anything-ism category. And even if we do find ourselves there, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a great discovery because it's an opportunity for us to reorient ourselves to the king. And truth be told, that's the reason why we study the book of Judges. That's the reason why. Because we need to hear this. We need to see this because it is a reflection. And we see that not much has changed from Genesis to Judges and from Judges to now. What we see is... And what we've been studying is a circling and a spiraling in the book of Judges, a this circling and' this spiraling down. And we've, we've been talking about this cycle, this circling, and we've, we've shown you this judge's cycle, right? We've, we've shown you this pick of this judge's cycle, this, this Ferris wheel, this Ferris wheel that says, the, "The people rebel. The people rebel. God is angry." God sends oppression by enemies. The people cry out that one word, that one word prayer that we talked about, right? That, that prayer for help, repentance, salvation, because of God's faithfulness, sends salvation through a chosen judge. There's peace in the land. The judge, the judge dies, and then the cycle starts over again. This is what we see. So we see this circling, but we also see spiraling down. We see more and more deceit. We see more depravity. We see more darkness. Things keep going down and down and down. But as I look at this, this shows what people are capable of. This this shows shows us what you and I are capable of because the truth is we're we're not much different than the people we're reading in the book of Judges. This shows what we're capable of, and I don't know about you, but it's humbling and it's horrifying because this shows what we are capable of. Now, did you know that there are fish that live so deep in the darkness of the ocean that their optic nerves never fully develop? I wanted to give you that reference because I was in the Bahamas last weekend, so I'm still thinking about beaches and oceans. and So I was trying to think of a way to tie it in, but, but, they, but they, 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 they live so deep in the darkness of the ocean that their optic, optic nerves never develop. You get the sense as you read Judges 19 through 21, that the Israelites are losing their sense of spiritual sight. They're losing their sense of spiritual sight. And if you pay attention, you get that same sense in our society as well. Many of us are losing our sense of sight spiritually. Again, if you read Judges 19 through 21 on their own, if you were just to read those, those chapters standalone, you'd probably slam it shut and say, what is this? What in the world is happening here? But if you read the entire book, story by story by story, spin after spin, you'll see exactly how the horrible events of Judges 19 through 21, you'll see how they happen you'll see first that there's compromise. We talked about that way back in Judges chapter one. There's compromise. In other words, one choice not to listen to what God said. One choice. By the way, one choice could drastically change the course of your life. One choice. So you see one choice, one compromise, and then you see compound. You see those compromises compounded because that's what happens. Sin compounds. Right? You, don't, you, don't, you don't become overweight by eating one cheeseburger, do you? <laughs> right? Become overweight by making those choices over and over and over again. But here's the issue. Um, Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, when a crime is not punished quickly, the people feel it's safe to do wrong again. In other words, when there is no swift judgment, no swift consequence, we feel safe to do it again. And this is what we see happening over and 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 over again in the book of Judges. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote in his screw tape letters. He said, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. It's a gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. This is why we get caught up because it's subtle, it's gradual. I wonder what that looks like in your life. That gentle slope, that seemingly safe road that's really doing more harm than good. I've been learning lately to change my thinking from I can't afford to, to I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to rest. I can't afford not to have healthier habits because so much hangs in the balance. So much hangs in the balance, not just for me, but for you too. So much hangs in the balance, not just our safety, but our sanity. Our peace, our rest, our creativity, on and on and on. So much hangs in the balance. But what's easy to miss here as we navigate these judge cycles and as we navigate cycles in our own lives, what's easy to miss is everything that's sacrificed and forfeited through compromise. It's what we take for granted. Everything that's sacrificed and forfeited through compromise, everything that could have been gained for the kingdom of God but wasn't, because of compromise, because compromises compound. Compromises are compounded, and this is what we see here. This is what we see, compromises compounded in Judges 19 through 21. This is exactly what we see. It starts with a compromise, this horrible crime that's like Sodom and Gomorrah repeated, maybe even worse. And then we see after that, broken people trying to fix broken things. Broken people trying to fix broken things. Compromise compounded. Because what's going on here in the story, and if you haven't read it, I want to encourage you to read it for yourself, is Israel tries to remedy the situation in Benjamin, and they make it even worse. And a full-blown civil war happens, not to mention their own crimes. And so Israel, their solution to fix their situation causes even more harm. It creates even more chaos when they try to fix their own situation. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to fix something and made it worse? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Uh-huh. You know how I know? Because you're just like me. You're just like me. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm tell on my brother for a second. He's not here, I don't think. Um, I'm gonna tell on my brother for a second. I'll I never forget, we were, um, we were our first duty station after boot camp was the United States Navy Ceremonial Guard. Now it was a prestigious um, uh, assignment. You had to be chosen out of boot camp to get to it, but it was hard. It was really hard. It was, it was nine to 10 weeks right after boot camp. It was strenuous. They did all kinds of things to us. If you're bad, wasn't made up right. They would take your mattress and throw it out of the window. If your uniforms weren't right, they'd snatch them off the hangers, put them in a the tub, put ketchup and mustard all over. I mean, it was, it was rough. And we were just about at graduation point. We were dressed just, just at the point where we were going to graduate. We called it drill out. You had to drill out in front of The master chief, all the commanding officers, you had to drill out. You had to perform certain moves um, in order to graduate. Now, your peers were out there as well. People that had been in the guard, they had graduated, had been around for a while. They were watching this. They would watch this and try to heckle you. And so we were about two and a half weeks before graduation. My brother and I, we were at our cousin's house. We were horseplaying, And my brother messed around, and he cut his finger, and he needed stitches in his hand cut his finger and needed stitches in his hand. So he goes to our commanding officer. and say, well, unfortunately, um, you're going to have to be set back two weeks. You're going to have to be set back two weeks. You can't graduate with your training platoon because you got to heal. you got to get right. We want you to be ready for when you graduate. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to set you back two weeks. Okay, all right. So my brother, my brother was in, in a space about that. He was in a space about that, but he accepted it. He accepted it. So as time got closer for us to graduate, they offered opportunities for people who wanted extra practice. You want extra practice for this drill out, you can get extra practice, it's optional. You don't have to do it, but if you want it, you can get this extra practice. So I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for you, man, but, but, but I'm gonna drill out with the platoon, I'm gonna drill out. However, I don't need, that. I don't need extra practice. I, I feel like I'm good, I don't need, I don't need the extra practice. So my brother decides in an attempt to fix his situation, that he's gonna go down and try to go to, to this practice to show Master Chief that he's ready to drill out. He's gonna go down this practice, I'm gonna show Master Chief I'm ready, I can make it, I can do it in spite of my injury. So he go down. he goes down there, now I'm telling the story third hand, I wasn't there. But this is what I was told happened. My brother goes down there, he tries to drill out. Apparently, he doesn't tell Master Chief that he is him and not me. So Master Chief thinks, oh, y'all trying to pull a fast one on me. Well, here's what I'm gonna do. Both of y'all get set back two weeks. I'm thinking, bro, I wasn't even there. Why am I punished for this? I wasn't even there. So not to mention, in his attempt to fix his situation, not only was our reputation in question, but now we both, we both got set back two weeks. I still look at him funny to this day about that. Because now I got to go through two weeks of this hardship because of you. But we all have situations like that where we try to fix something. We try to get ahead of God. We think we can help God out with our situations. And we actually end up making things worse. We end up making things worse. And this is exactly what's going on here in the final episode in the book of Judges. They're trying to fix things and things continue to get worse. And after they try to fix things and things get worse, everybody just goes back, goes back home, retreats to their own home, and continues living out their anythingism. They try to fix things, things get worse, and everybody just retreats back and goes back to living life on their own terms. And this is how the book ends, with the author stating this darkness and the chaos of the situation the best he could by saying, in verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. The end. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And the bottom line today as we conclude this series is is simple. In those days, Israel had no king but he was coming. In those days, Israel had no king, but he was coming. Now, as I begin to close this this series out, as as I studied and read the book of Judges, it made my heart bend even more towards Jesus. As I looked at and studied the brokenness of the people of Judges, I realized that I'm really no different than them. And as I realize more and more that I'm really no different than them, I realize that we are no different than them. And so my hope and my heart in this is that it should not only bend my heart towards Christmas and King Jesus, but it should do the same with your heart. Because the truth of the matter is, it's only when we see how dark the darkness of sin really is, that we can see how bright the light of Jesus is. It's only when we fully come to the end of ourselves that we realize, recognize, and understand our need for King Jesus and everything that he's done for us. When we realize that in spite of everything that God has allowed us to accomplish, all of our accolades, all of our degrees and assignments that we've had, that we've been so proud of, that in spite of that, we're still broken vessels. But God chooses to use us anyway. We're still broken vessels, but God still called us. God still chose us. God still loves us. And it's when we fully embrace that and fully step into what Jesus did that we begin to see ourselves the way Jesus did. Isaiah 9-2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so as we conclude this series in those days, I want to remind you that though we are just like the people in the book of Judges, the good thing for us is that our King, King Jesus, Emmanuel, he's not coming, but he's with us. He's with us. Our responsibility is to receive him. Receive him, receive what he's done, receive him in our hearts, receive him in our situations, receive him in our circumstances in spite of our discouragement, in spite of our disappointment, in spite of the things that didn't go the way you wanted, you wanted them to go in your life. And you know how we receive him? is by abandoning what we think is right in our own eyes. That's how we begin to receive who he is. And part of how we receive him is by remembering his sacrifice for us. God, where would I be had it not been for you? Where would I be? It's easy to miss that. I know you got a lot of things going on. I know you busy. I know you got a lot going on. But when we pause to remember him and to remember all that he's done for us, it should humble our hearts because we serve a mighty God and he's not just loving, he's living. And I'm learning that the more and more I invite him into my discomfort and invite him into my pain, the more I realize that he was there all along. He was just waiting on me to look up. And so my prayer for you as we move deeper into this holiday season that you would look up in spite of all the distractions around in, st- in spite of all of the turmoil within that you would look up that you would look up to King Jesus Amen That's why I'm so grateful for opportunities where we get to remember him together We get to remember him together and communion is part of how we do that We get to remember him together, his sacrifice for us so long ago. And so as you begin to prepare your hearts and minds for communion, as you begin to prepare your hearts and minds to remember what Christ has done in the middle of what you got going on, I want to remind you that he's a loving and he's a living God. And so in just a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to come and and be served. But before you do, I need you to know that here at New City, we have what's called an open table communion, which simply means that if you are a Christ follower, whether you call New City home or not, we invite you to partake with us. And maybe you're in the room today and you don't follow Christ, you don't have a relationship with him, you're not really sure what that's really all about. I wanna encourage you to take this as an opportunity to think about what a next step in a relationship with Christ could be. Any of our team members around here would be more than happy to help you navigate that process. And so as you come in just a moment, I need you to know that all the bread that we have is gluten-free. There's pre-packaged elements up here as well. If you decide you don't wanna take the bread and dip it in the cup, there's prepackaged elements for you and maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower but just you're just not in the space to partake today. I get it totally. And if that's that's you, I do want to invite you to come up. You can simply cross your arms like this and we'll pray a short blessing over you. Cuz we get it. And that's totally okay. Either way, wherever you find yourself today, I want you to know that this is a powerful moment where we get to remember Christ together. Because in a world that devalues and disappoints and discourages, it's important for us to remember that there's hope in the midst of it all. There's peace in the midst of it all. That's why he died. But more importantly, that's why he rose. And so as you come, we have stations in the front and in the back. But the first thing we need to do, the scripture says that we ought to first examine ourselves so that we don't eat or drink unworthily. And so before we actually take communion, I want to pause for for that very purpose. For us to take a moment to reflect and examine our own hearts. So let's take a moment to do that now. Father, we're here. Broken, but blessed. And God, we're here together. Some of us discouraged, some of us feeling hopeless, yet other, others of us feeling renewed, refreshed, and empowered by your Spirit. But no matter where we are today, God, we're grateful for the opportunity to remember you. And so we pray now, Father, that you would search our hearts. Pray that you would remove any bitterness, any resentment, any ill will that we might have in our hearts towards our brother, towards our sister, towards ourselves, or even towards you, God. So we give you this moment asking that you would be Lord in our hearts, that you would be Lord in our minds, that you would wash away anything that would cause it to partake unworthily. We're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for this opportunity to remember you. We commit our feelings, good, bad, or otherwise, into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, you do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, the scripture says he took the cup. said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, you do so. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. At this time, as you are led, you may come and be served.
1: If you were able, would you still stand up with us as we respond to today's message. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. i be, I'll be
0: Amen. What a great time in God's presence today. And I will say I'm proud of y'all, man. I was looking. Nobody put knuckles in the juice. I was looking. Y'all did good. I'm proud of you. It was a great day. It was a great day. Amen. Well, as always, I pray that you were both encouraged and challenged by something that happened in God's house today. And as always, there are a couple ways that you can respond to what God did. The first is you can go to Connection Point. Maybe God is nudging you to get more deeply connected, what he's doing. We'd love to get to know you, maybe hear your story. Second is you can come forward for prayer. Maybe something that happened today, touched something in your heart and and you need prayer. Our care team members are here. You can recognize them with the yellow lanyard. They'd love to come alongside you, stand with you, be in prayer with you. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to find one of our team members around the building. And lastly, you can always give as a response, an act of worship to what God did in this place today. You can give at newcity.us slash give or you can give right here in one of our giving boxes on the campus. And lastly, if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I'd I'd love to meet you. I'll be just outside of these doors right in front of the next step room. I'd love to meet you, shake your hand and maybe get to hear a little bit of your story. Well, thank you again for being here. And now if you're able, I'm gonna ask that you would extend your hands Receive this benediction as we depart today. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious unto you. May the Lord help you to recognize and to receive him wherever you are today. That his glorious light may shine bright in your heart. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Have an amazing week, New City.